Not a bad day here at Crossroads so far, you guys. Not a bad day at all. Uh, and if I can be honest with you, like honestly, when you have like a, just a special worship moment that leads up to when you're having to speak at a church service, honestly, there's not much you can do to mess it up. I could just kind of say whatever and people still even go, man, that was a great day. So hopefully that's what happens. I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, we're diving into week two of this series called Relentless. And this is really important. Can we just lean into something for a few minutes here together? I believe with all my heart that God pursues us with a relentless love. It is a fierce love. It is singularly focused on letting us know that, man, God loves us and he's willing to do whatever it takes for us to be with him. And I believe that our response is that when we encounter this love of Jesus, we have to respond the same way with a relentless pursuit of who Jesus is. We've got to go all in. And this series, Relentless, is an all-in series. And what that means is we're tying that into the theme that we've been working through all year as a church. Like, what would happen if all of us were all in? What would that look like? We grapple with the reality that God will take us as far as we let him. So why would I hold anything back? The only answer when I encounter the love of Jesus is to say, Jesus, I'm all in. And what does that look like? That's just me every day just being in a posture where when God speaks and asks me to take a step of faith, when he asks me to take a step out of my comfort zone, when he asks me to, to get rid of something in my life that's a barrier between me and the, the person he's calling me to be and my relationship with Jesus, every time God speaks to me, my answer has to be yes. It's an attitude of surrender. God, here I am. I'm all in. And, and I just, I want to challenge you today with this idea that if you're willing to just have that mindset and that focus when it comes to you and your relationship with Jesus, if you're willing to say, I will be relentless in my pursuit of Jesus, I'm telling you this, you're going to find yourself exactly in life where God called you to be. I think a lot of people struggle. What is my purpose? Why am I here? What, what makes my life significant? What am I supposed to be doing? I think a lot of people wander through life and it's, it's a little blurry. They're not sure what it is that God is calling us to and what God has specifically for me. And if you don't have purpose, I think life can can become a drudgery, you can become discouraged, you can deal with depression because you're trying to figure that out. And I want you to know today that if you're committing to say, God, I'm all in, I want to relentlessly pursue you, anytime you speak to me, my answer is going to be yes. I, I challenge you with this truth. If that's the posture of your heart, if you're willing to say yes to Jesus and say, I'm all in, you're going to find yourself exactly where God wants you to be. You're going to realize that one day after the next, saying yes to Jesus puts you in the exact place that God created you for. And I want to encourage you today that when you find your purpose, it's going to change everything. Last week, uh, Pastor Dustin kicked off this series by talking about uh, walking in the power of the Spirit. When I am relentlessly pursuing Jesus, I find his power for my life. And I thought Dustin did a great job. Let's give it up for Dustin. I'll, I'll say that on behalf of Dustin, because if Dustin was here today, he would say, you know, I did a great job. Let's give myself a round of applause. That's the kind of thing that Dustin says, and that's one of the things I love about Dustin. I, I love that. I, I like that. It's a little bit of moxie, and I appreciate that. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, when we encounter the power of Jesus in our lives, and it changes us, we have to respond with the same kind of love that he has shown us. It's, it's really the only option. So if he shows us a relentless love that's willing to do whatever it takes to be with us, then the general expectation is, I'm all in. God, whatever you want from me, you've given me everything. Whatever you want, the answer is yes. I will relentlessly, with, with just a single focus and, and a fierceness, I will chase after you. And I'm telling you that when that is your response, you're filled with the power of Jesus in your life, you find your purpose. 
and it changes everything. In, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, I want to focus on, on the Apostle Peter. And we're going to take a look at Peter for the next two or three weeks here because Peter is that person that, that God used to build his church around. And think about this. Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times. He got afraid uh, right leading up to the crucifixion. Peter made this statement of faith. God, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus, I will die for you. And Jesus looks at him face to face, eye to eye, and says, Peter, that's a cool statement. Cool story, bro. But tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And he's like, what? That's not true. And sure enough, he's arrested. He's Peter has three chances to, to say, I am a follower of Jesus, and denies him every single time. The last one, it's like a little girl in the courtyard is like, hey, he follows Jesus. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and he runs off. It's <laughs> exactly how it went down. <laughs> That's three diet dues in me. I apologize. So <laughs> Peter goes from that moment of denying Jesus and honestly the lowest point in his life where he feels like a total failure to just a few days later after Jesus rises from the dead, he has this appointment with Peter where he meets him on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and he has this beautiful moment where he reinstates Peter. And he says, Peter, listen, I am going to build my church around you. And in response to this, Peter realizes that he's not done. Yeah, he's filled with guilt and shame. He's made all kinds of, of mistakes. He's failed, but Jesus was just getting started with him. And so after Jesus ascended into heaven, we talked about this last week in Acts chapter 1, it says that the disciples gathered in Jerusalem to wait for this promise that Jesus had given them. Because he said, after I'm ascended, I want you to go to Jerusalem. My Holy Spirit is going to come down upon you. And they don't really know what this means. It's never happened before. So they're waiting in this upper room in Acts chapter 1, and that's what we celebrate as the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls down like fire on these guys, and they don't know how to respond. Like they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, the only way I can put this into perspective for me is this. When I was 16, I drove a Nissan Sentra hatchback, and it was about 104 horsepower. Right? Anybody resonate with that? 104? Listen, it's good preaching. That that child did not want to leave. It, I understand. I understand. It's good preaching. <laughs> I, would, I would react the same way if someone tried to take me out of this room right now. I would. I would. <laughs> so when I was 16, I drove a Nissan Center hatchback, 104 horsepower. I had no idea what to do the first time I sat behind the wheel of a Camaro Z28 with all that horsepower. I hit the gas and the, the reaction, the response was completely different. Anybody with me? You're like, oh yes, I know what you're talking about. You're like, this is amazing. You know, I already didn't know how to control the Nissan Sentra. I mean, I ran into a tree with that thing. What am I going to do with a, a Camaro Z28? That's a whole different story for a whole other day. But the disciples, they're in the upper room. The day of Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit comes down upon them. They literally don't know how to respond. They're they're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. It says they went out into the streets and they just started sharing the good news. They, they had no other choice. They've encountered the power and the, and the holiness that is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in their lives, and they're going out and telling the good news. And it says that when they went out in the streets, everyone who had gathered in the streets that was walking through the city that was from all around the world speaking different languages, they all heard 
their message in their own language. Like it was this first miracle of the Holy Spirit. Like I am empowering you to tell everyone the good news. It will be clear to everyone you speak to. Like it's an amazing moment. And so you've got the people that gather around, right? They're, they're watching in wonder and amazement. Like, hey, this is an extraordinary thing that is happening. The, the apostles, they don't know what's happening. They're just speaking the good news. But you've always got the haters, right? You've always got those people. They're in the crowd. And it says in Acts 1, they saw the apostles in the streets speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit, and their response was, oh, look at them. It's nine in the morning. They're already drunk out here in the streets. And you have to be honest. Some of you, you are those people. You don't lie to me. You're a little bit snarky, and you're a little bit sarcastic, and that would be you, right? Yes. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I threw a, uh, I'm just going to tell you the story because it's fun. I threw a charcuterie board on eBay to sell a charcuterie board. And I just got a message this week from some random person, some lady, and she said, hey, can you tell me uh, what this charcuterie measures? Thank you. And then I responded, hey, it doesn't measure anything. It's a charcuterie board. <laughs> and then I wonder why I can't sell anything on eBay. Um, I would be, you know, I'm a little sarcastic. That's my love. I love sarcasm. A little snarky. I have some fun with people. And you would understand in this moment, people don't understand what's happening. Like the power of the Holy Spirit is, is pouring out of these apostles. They don't understand what's happening. The people in the streets don't quite understand what's happening. And yet this is a moment where, where Peter steps forward. The guy who's just denied Jesus, you know, in the last 30, 40 days. The guy who Jesus said face to face, Peter, step up. I'm going to build my church around you. So Peter, he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't really know what's happening or why it's happening. And he begins preaching this incredible sermon. And I love how he starts the sermon. This is fantastic in Acts chapter 2. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. He has their attention. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. He has their attention. How does Peter start one of the best sermons ever recorded? Like this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. <laughs> you know, I've never noticed in all the times I've read through this passage of Scripture until now that that's how Peter started that sermon. I mean, that's amazing. This sermon ends, by the way, with 3,000 people accepting Jesus and being baptized. Can anybody get excited about that moment? I, it's a pivotal moment in the life of the church, and I love that. He's like, listen! Listen carefully! He doesn't know what to do. He's just, he's, he's leading. We're not drunk here! That's how this amazing sermon starts, which gives me hope, because when you start a terrible sermon, like, okay, maybe God can redeem this, because Peter started his by saying, we're not drunk here. Okay. Just me? Okay. <laughs> Here's what he says, though. And again, this is Peter. He's dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not sure how to handle this. It's a new experience for him, but he knows he, he, he can't just sit on the sidelines and not do anything. He's responding to what God has done for him, and he is all in. He's not being consumed by fear any longer. He's encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, and now he's leading with faith. It's a complete change. Know this. Peter found his purpose, and it changed everything about him. Now he becomes this foundation that Jesus builds his church around. And this is how it begins. He says this. 
No, what you see here was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get bad. But then he says this, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's pointing everyone right now to Jesus. He can't not share the good news of what Jesus has done. The power of the Holy Spirit is alive in him and working, and he has to share what God has done. He goes on to say this, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Can I get an amen or some excitement about that? Because Jesus brings dead things to life. He did then and he does now. He's still performing miracles. He goes on to say, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. I mean, think about Peter, the 12 disciples, sharing this message of good news to this crowd of people who are gathered around. They're staring at them in wonder and amazement. They don't know what's happening. They can't wrap their, eyes, their, their minds around it, but something incredible is happening right here, right now. This is a moment, and it's all centered around this good news of Jesus. He's not dead. He is alive. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. He goes on to say, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? It leads them to a point of decision. Peter's words, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brought everyone into this message of hope, this message of good news. And they're brought to this moment where they're responding by saying, Peter, tell us, what do we do? How do we accept this unbelievable gift of God in our lives? And this is where it begins. It says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Say yes to Jesus and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, much as I plan to do today, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And here's where it hits in verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. I mean, this is the moment. When Jesus looked at Peter face to face, eye to eye, and said, Peter, you're the one who I'm gonna build my church on. It's leading Peter to this moment where he realizes, I've encountered the power and the love of Jesus in my life, and this is my moment. This is the moment that I was created for. This is my purpose. 
and it changed everything about Peter. No longer is he frightened and running away from any type of conflict or fear of being judged or criticized as a follower of Jesus. No, he's leading the charge. He's stepping out in faith because he found his purpose. And I want you to know today, you might be kind of floundering through life. You might be struggling to find what your purpose is. And I want you to know it starts by putting your trust in Jesus because Jesus is the answer to everything that you're looking for. Man, you start with this idea of my identity. Uh, we've talked about this several times here at Crossroads, but it's so important that we, that we not only grapple, but, but come to the, to the truth of, of this statement. Jesus is the answer to every question you're looking for. When it comes to my identity, know this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been created in the image of God, and you are his child. Man, that's where everything begins. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. Can anybody get excited about that this morning? Because that's where it begins. If you're trying to find your identity anywhere else, it's never gonna fill that void in your soul. It's never gonna satisfy it. It has to start with Jesus. And if it starts with Jesus, if you believe, man, I was created by God. That's, that's where I come from, that's my identity. Then you realize my life has purpose. There's a God that loves me and I was created, it says in scripture, by him and for him. My life exists to bring glory to God. And I want you to know today that your life has meaning. It has significance. It has purpose. Because there is a God who loves you with an extravagant love. And he created you for just this moment with gifts and abilities to use for, for things that he prepared far in advance for you to do. And here's how you find that purpose. Here's how you figure that out. You relentlessly pursue him. You just say, God, I'm all in. Whenever God speaks to you and tugs at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit living in you. When he's saying, step out of that comfort zone, I'm calling you, instead of turning away and resisting and, and run away, <laughs> don't do that. Say yes to Jesus. God, it's a step way out of my comfort zone, but we all know now that's where the growth is. That's where you're calling me to, God. It's scary, it's terrifying, but the answer is yes. When he says, hey, this part of your life, it's a barrier between you and me. I need you to turn away from that, repent. Get rid of that. Then my answer is yes. You guys, if that's your posture, if your commitment is, God, every time you speak, my answer is going to be yes, I guarantee you this. You're going to start looking back at your life a month, two months, six months, a year, five years, ten years. You're going to realize, man, God was walking with me every step of the way. He had me exactly where, where I was supposed to be. And you can see God's faithfulness in what he has done. And when you recognize that God has been faithful, you can trust that he will be faithful, that he is using you and continues to have plans and a purpose for you. And I want to encourage you today, don't hold back. Man, it's scary to go all in. Peter steps out, he's audacious. He's always the one that puts his foot in his mouth. He was that guy. Peter's the one who just steps out in the middle, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's the one who says, hey, everybody, listen up. He did not have a plan. He did not have an outline for what he was going to say. That's obvious by his opening line. We're not drunk, but God used it to change the course of history. That is the moment, boom, that the church was born. And God used Peter of all people, to do that. Peter was able to do that, why? Because he found his purpose. He stepped out in faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and changed everything. And I want you to know, God has moments like that for you. They might not be written down you know, in the history of the Bible, and it might not result in 3,000 people immediately being saved and baptized, but I want you to know that God has placed people in your life for a specific reason for such a time as this, and that is your purpose. You have been given a mission, and we talk about that here at Crossroads all the time. Our mission is to connect people with Jesus. We're in a season where we are focused on inviting as many people as we can, all the outsiders we can, to a changed life, change inside and out. 
That was the heartbeat of Jesus. That's what he was here for, and we have to imitate him in this, in this uh, role. This is the mission that he has given us. Jesus made it clear in Luke 19 what his purpose was. Uh, in the story of Zacchaeus, we all know him as the wee little man. Just don't know that. He climbed up the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, and as the Savior passed that way, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. And I think it's exactly how it's written in Scripture. Uh, don't judge me. So, Everybody, when, when Jesus said, I'm going to your house today, I, I have to go to your house today, remember, they all grumbled and complained. Why is he going to be with Zacchaeus? Doesn't he know he's the tax collector? He's the cheater. Everybody hates him. But Jesus responded by saying this in Luke 19.10, the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why he came. That's why he did everything he did, to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, that applies to all of us, because all of us at one point were lost, and now we've been found. If you've said yes to Jesus, you, you have been found. You were dead and now you are alive. Never forget the hope that you have in Jesus, how it changed your life, and be ready to invite other people to that changed life. And that's what this is all about. That's the mission of Jesus, and also it's the purpose that God has given each and every one of us. This is your purpose. Jesus gave this great commission to his disciples, Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, that's why we exist. I have to invite every person I can to experience a changed life. I exist to connect people with Jesus. Guys, that's our mission. If nothing else in life gives you purpose, that's it. You exist to bring glory to God. You were made by him and for him. I encourage you, go all in. Be relentless in your pursuit of Jesus and let him use you for him and for his glory. There is no better life than that. In John 10.10, 10, it's a verse I use all the time. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. It says, the thief, which is the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, no, I've come that you might have life and have that to the fullest. And that life is only lived to the fullest when we go all in. If I'm holding back, I'm missing out on that life God's called me to. That's why it's so important that we are relentless. I think the final piece of this is... Uh, Jesus wants us to be united in this purpose. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before Jesus was arrested, taken away, put on trial, beaten, and crucified, you see this prayer that he prays, and it's, it's the heart of Jesus. I mean, in that moment, he's, he's praying for, for what's about to happen. He's praying for his disciples, and he prays for us. He prays for you and for me. Right before he goes to the cross, this is the prayer that he prays in John 17. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples who are with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That, that's us. 2,000 years later, that's, that's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will always believe you sent me. He's praying for us to be unified in our purpose, unified in our mission, to connect people with him because when we are unified in this purpose, he's saying that way all will believe through them. The mission continues through, through you, it continues through me. Jesus has given us a purpose and that changes everything. I wanna encourage you today to, to make the conscious decision that I am going to go all in. I'm going to relentlessly pursue the mission that God has given me. I'm going to walk in his power and I'm going to walk in his purpose. Because when we are focused on what Jesus is focused on, you guys, that's when we live life to the fullest. And there's no better way to live. What would happen if all of us were all in? This is a question we've been asking for the last year. Think about that. 
there's truth to that statement. God will take you as far as you let him. Why are you holding back? He promises us, man, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things God has in store for those who love him. So don't hold back. Keep saying yes to Jesus. Man, that journey with Jesus, it begins by saying yes. And here at Crossroads, every week we give people a chance to say yes to Jesus because it's the most important decision you can ever make. Jesus came to seek and to save you. He came to bring us hope in a world that offers no hope at all. He is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome that. And I want to invite you today to make sure that you have said yes to Jesus, to the love that he has for you because he will forgive you and he will set you free if you put your trust in him. And so as we come to a close today, can we start just, you know, response number one by standing together? And can I just give you a chance, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, would you be willing in this moment, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it says in scripture, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to give you this opportunity right now to say this prayer, and we will join you with this because it's an important prayer that all of us have prayed at some point or other if we put our trust in Jesus. Join us together as we say this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him the praise and the glory today? Because there's no one like him. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. His is the name above all names. And listen, if you said yes to Jesus for the first time today, I want to invite you, when this service is over, would you please come forward and let us know you said yes. We have a gift for you. We want to give you a Bible. We want to help you take the next steps in your relationship with Jesus. You can come forward and talk to Michelle. She's waving her hand right now. You can come forward and talk to Stu. He's also waving his hand. We would love to talk to you and help you take these next steps in your journey with Jesus. And I just want to close by saying this. When you find your purpose, you're going to realize that God gives you the power to do everything that he's called you to. And I want you to think today as you're leaving, we, we all have a mission that God has given each and every one of us. It's to connect people to him. And we're focusing right now on inviting thousands of outsiders to a changed life, people who are desperate for the hope we have in Jesus. I ask you as you leave today to think about this question, who is desperate for an invitation to a changed life? I want to challenge you to live intentionally. Target someone for Jesus. Act with a sense of urgency. When opportunities present themselves, share your story, share what Jesus has done, share the love that God has for them because that's our mission. That's our purpose. And you guys, when we find our purpose, it changes everything. What would happen if all of us were all in? I think we're starting to see that. People's lives are being changed. People are saying yes to Jesus. Let's be a part of this mission. Let's be part of this journey, this adventure that God has called us to go on. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me as we close? Jesus, you are good. And we just pause right now to say thank you for your extravagant love because you love us and there's nothing we can do about it. And God, I just pray that you would help us to, to walk with strength and to walk with courage into the plan that you have for us, that you would allow us to have the wisdom and the courage to, to lead with the gifts that you have given us and to keep our eyes open every day for that person in our life that might be just desperate for an invitation to a changed life. God, help us to be that light that points people to you. And may we just go all in, God, relentlessly pursuing you the way that you have pursued us. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you because you are good. We pray this in your holy name together and we say, amen. 
uh, Crossroads. It has been a terrific Sunday gathering and worshiping together with you. I want you to go in the grace and peace of Jesus today. Remember that you are loved. We'll see you next Sunday.